And now, The Moment with Brian Koppelman. Hey, this is The Moment. I'm Brian Koppelman. Thanks for listening. And uh, hey, thanks for all the great comments uh, and ratings you guys have left on iTunes and for um, constantly retweeting that people should check out the show and for getting in touch with me on Twitter at Brian Koppelman. I love uh, hearing from you. I love hearing what you dig about the show. Uh, I love hearing what guests you wish were on it and uh, interacting. So thanks for reaching out and please continue to do so. My guest today is Jenny Hutt. Let me just tell you that her maiden name is Koppelman. That's not a coincidence. Jenny is my sister. She is super accomplished person. She's uh, a lawyer. She's been a practicing lawyer. She has had her own show on Sirius XM called Just Jenny on the Stars Channel for a long time. Before that, she had a show called Whatever with Alexis and Jennifer with Alexis Stewart. They famously broke up on the Today Show uh, in what was uh, certainly an embarrassing and intense moment. Maybe it wasn't embarrassing. Maybe just embarrassing for me because I'm her brother and I felt bad. Maybe for Jenny it was great. We'll talk about it. Uh, I just remember wanting to go through the television show, uh, through the television and start shaking people. Uh, because Jenny had this deer-in-the-headlights sad look. She knew it was coming, but I still think it was hard. And then, but the good news is she then uh, managed, I think, to have a show now that's completely original and fantastic. She's also been the co-host of Dr. Drew's show on HLN. She did that for a year, and she was the exclusive co-host of that show for six months. That recently came to an end, which I think is a great thing for her, and I can't wait to talk about. And... Uh, She's on CBS Insider. She's always interviewing people. She has a great social media presence. And uh, and the road for Jenny has not been easy. I can tell you that as her older brother. One thing that uh, I'll say when she's here, Jenny lost 100 pounds. She'll say, I lost 70 pounds. I'll say, but from your height, you lost 100 pounds from the highest you ever weighed. And she'll say, yeah, but I really lost 70. Um, so we'll do all that when she gets here. And, uh, well, I'm really excited to talk to Jennifer. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. Did, did, did uh, you just ask me if I ever heard Short People? Yeah. Uh, by Randy Newman? Yeah. Why? It's like my song. It's not really about short people. What's it about? Racism. <gasps> that makes sense. Sure. It's about any sort of any bias kind of, is yeah. racist in a way, it's but not, not racist, yeah. right? Because yeah. the, the little kind of angelic line in that song is, uh, short people are just the same as you and I. Right, like every other kind of person. Uh, yeah, the, he's, yeah, that's what... See, his, see, I've only felt that sort of thing with being short and having red hair. It's weird. In the year 2014, there's a lot of ginger hate. It's bizarre. Uh, no. Yeah, not, not, not really ginger Well, not hate. like real, real issues that people actually have. But yeah, people don't like... People with red hair. Okay, you're a broadcaster, so you know you're going to define um, the conversation. But no, no, we're gonna, I, I here, just want to let me just say one thing. Do you know there, there are actually sperm banks in the UK that are prohibiting red-headed people to donate sperm? It's well, like a real thing. Well, I bet you they're prohibiting probably because they know what their client base wants, their customers. Yeah, not gingers. Well, then you know what's going to happen? Gingers are going to be this rare and special thing. Great, thanks. Then they're going to want more good. of them. That's right. how it's going to turn. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, Randy Newman, here's the thing. 
when he became famous, his second album had Sail Away, which was one of the great songs ever. He always pushed these boundaries and would, would write songs from various perspectives. They were almost always about our society in certain ways people always misunderstood. I love that you loved that song and thought it was just a defense of short people. I did, and, and I also love that you know the real story about it because my whole life has been spent watching you know more than me because you are this voracious reader, unbelievably brilliant guy. Well, but the thing is... Truth, you are. Thank you, but the truth is, and I'm interested in this, um, and I talk about it at home all the time, which is you, whether I'm uh, smart or not, whatever smart I am, you have the exact same capacity, but for some reason, don't chase certain things down in the way that I do. Like what? You don't the you don't have the same like that like the same kind of curiosity. Well, I have a different I have different curiosity. Maybe I didn't have it with that song specifically because that was just a song I've heard throughout the years. But certain when I'm really curious, then I delve deep. Yes, to an extent. Yes, when you're really curious. But I think right. that you've chosen sometimes to short sell like yourself what? Like what? on certain things. Well, there are things like yes, you'll go and read the Donna Tart book because everybody's talking about it. And then you'll understand everything about it and want to have a real opinion about it. But I think that you... I didn't love it. That's fine. Uh, whereas I haven't read it yet. The Goldfinch. I haven't, I haven't yeah. read it yet. Um, I didn't love it because I didn't love the ending, which I'm not going to spoil for you. But I just didn't think... Yeah, don't, if I had to I'm go like 800 to. pages yeah. to a spoiled ending... Yeah, no, I'm not going to spoil that it That would be dispiriting I just didn't enjoy me. the ending. How's that? I. That's fine. But actually, I know you probably are right about... Maybe you're right about the ending. Maybe the ending didn't, right. didn't work. Mm -hmm. uh, but... Uh, I think that part of it has to do, to do with fitting in and not fitting in and me not caring as much when I was young as, as you did about fitting in. And I think it's a pattern that's repeated itself. So that I think your interests got shaped in certain ways or limited as a guess. Well, I, yeah, I definitely think in college I didn't want to be one of the theater kids because that would have been a label that, that wasn't going to work for me. Not that... Being labeled part of the cool crowd worked for me very well either because I didn't really, I never fit in to any any group. Well, that's interesting, you see, because what happens is then, because we were raised very similarly, but when at a certain point at college, I guess, I mean, before that, when I would then go on excursions out, way outside the norm, I would then meet people. Right. And I would go, wait, how do those people know that stuff? Yeah. Oh, we weren't raised in a way where I would learn about it. Right. I'm going to go learn all that. But I think that was a difference maybe in our upbringing. With with our gender, I think you are being a boy and my being a girl. There were almost different expectations and, in a way, different guidance. Certainly from our mother. That's true. My guest is Jenny Hutt. Yeah. My sister. <laughs> blood, blood relative. Who I think in my um, book, uh, like my my I, iPhone, book, my yeah. iPhone, no, yeah. like my iPhone or my Filofax, yeah. which I don't have. Uh, I think you might still be Jenny Koppelman. I think I would forever be. I mean, I am your baby sister. It's you not, are yeah. my baby sister. We have a middle sister between us, Stacy. Cooler than both of us. Fritz. Yes, she's very cool and won't probably want to uh, be a guest. And she's not a broadcaster no. like my very accomplished little sister. Um, thanks for doing this. This is fun. This is more fun, I think, for me, actually, because I'm so happy that you're doing something where your voice doesn't just get heard by someone reading your pages but or watching what you've done in a movie or how you've set up a character because everybody knows what you do but people to actually hear you speak is fun for me and to, to see you doing it is fun for me because i know there's a part of you that does want to be 
in front of the camera, in front of... No, I don't want to... No, I don't want to... In fact, no, in fact, I don't want to be on camera. <laughs> I, I, in fact, I said to the Grantland guys who want to do video podcasts... Oh, they should. I said, no, I really don't want to do you video podcasts. You make great podcasts. faces. I like uh, podcasts for their, like, audio yeah. intimacy. Mm -hmm. I like walking around listening to them. Sure. Uh, that doesn't mean I'll never do the video thing, but... Uh, do you listen to podcasts? Not often, no. Mm -mm. And I should, because... They're really, I, I think I want to listen to some of the health and wellness and fitness ones because I am very passionate about that. And I'll that make you actually, a list of some good ones. I do research that like crazy, probably the way you research other things. You research health stuff. Yeah, health, wellness, dieting, what the latest craze is, why it's good, why it's bad. And I find all the information very overwhelming. Right. That's your, And your show is um, deals with that stuff and sure. all your different iterations of your show when it's your own point of view deals with that stuff which is probably channeled from is it anxiety originally wanting to know that stuff because of your own questions about health yeah yeah of course but i yeah i think i think i i'm always worried i'm gonna die but beyond that i think the the body stuff really is i don't know i still don't really know the right way to eat i'm 44 years old there, yeah, it's very hard to figure out the right way to eat. Maybe Tim Ferriss is the only one with the answer. Right. You said that to me, and I reached out to his people. Just get his book. Oh, yeah, The 4-Hour Diet. The 4-Hour Body. Oh, that one, you right. Didn't, yeah. I uh, didn't I give book. you his email address? Yeah, and it's... Uh, I'll put you guys together. Okay, fail. so mm -hmm. um, here's the thing. That thing you just said to me about how part of me wants to be in front of the camera, whatever. I want to really talk about your 20s to start. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because... Because I think that that's projecting in in part. Um, because I've like chased down what, from whenever I figure out what it is I want, yeah. I try to do it. Yes. You, on the other hand, yeah, had this incredible talent. Yes. We're always somebody when we were growing up. Always somebody. Yeah. Who was destined to talk or uh, perform for? And then uh, I dropped out. Is that what you're thinking? A about? living. Well, yeah. What I want to talk about is um, what it felt like to you. I mean, you were, how old were you? You were doing voiceovers and stuff. And then at a certain point in your 20s, didn't you just stop I did, trying? I just stop trying. I was 26. What did you want to be? And I made a, a conscious decision. Well, at, um, I would say at 22, I wanted to be an actress. And I was too insecure to try to be an actress because I, I didn't feel comfortable being ugly or being, and I was thin at the time. At 22 was when I had lost a lot of weight for our sister's wedding. And I just remember the fear of being told I wasn't thin enough or I wasn't pretty enough, more so than whether I was talented enough or not. I never really doubted the talent of my voice, which is why I then started to try to do voiceovers. And then um, when I met my husband at 20, I guess I was, I was 25 and I met him. In an acting class. In an acting class. And I think so much of my wanting at the time earlier on to be a performer and to have recognition and to find a way to feel like people loved me was I really thought that if people would see me on a big screen or hear me, then somebody would fall in love with me because I didn't really see how I could possibly be found lovable any other way. Wait, that's the conscious thought you had or that's what you've now put together through no, back, thinking about back, it? Back then, I really was... I really felt like I was never going to get married. I was never, nothing was ever going to work out for me. I just, that's, there was just this part of me that felt like no one was ever going to really love me unless they could look past 
what I look like. It was always that I felt like I was so unattractive. I felt like Janice Ian at 17. And it's, I, it's, I, I get it. I mean, if you like, see pictures of you about, you weren't unattractive. Right, but, but to me, I always felt unattractive. I never felt like our sister always had this almost, swagger wasn't a word that anybody used then. Yeah. But she had this thing that she was automatically sexy and automatically desirable. And I felt like I was just weird. And that if somebody could, or weird looking, or I just didn't have that affect. And that if, if, if somebody, I always felt like if somebody could get past that and get to know me, they might love me. But I thought they would have to first see me in that light. It's a very strange thing. So I think that when I met my husband and he just loved me. I mean, it's still the crazy. I mean, you know my husband, and he just loved me. And all of a sudden, I felt like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing. And I want to. Well, yeah, I mean, I you can find. That. I don't know if you've taken all the pictures of your that. husband off the internet, but I mean, not he's not much there. <laughs> you know, he's six one, zero percent body fat. The, looks like a bodybuilder, very successful guy, um, and sweet, a very kind and a, a good dad. And and uh, yeah, but. But but what I want to understand is that that all feels like a lot of rationalizing to me. But it was really re- at the time it was really real. I felt like I. But you were somebody who always performed. Who always performed. Always wanted yeah. to be the center. I did back then, and then I got shy. It was a crazy. I got very protective of my little world. When did you get shy? Oh my gosh! I think I always had a shy side, and that my being loud was almost overcompensating. Yeah, but for but it. what happened? You were in college. Did yeah. you do shows in college? Or you no, just said, because you did... I didn't write. So no. And then after I got because a voice what, of radio. what were you worried about that if you hung around with the so you would this is amazing to me. I'm going to give you the perfect story. <clears throat> yeah. I'll give you. I'll, I'll sum it up. And this guy and I have a have a big disagreement about the, how this went down. But I believe it's a true story. And how I say it is how it happened. So there's a guy named Jay Landers who you and I both know. Lovely man. Yeah. adore the guy. One of my favorite people ever. He's a real uh, veteran in the music is- industry, works with the greats, like the Barbara Streisand P- kind of Yeah, greats. picks songs for people and makes their albums. Right. And so, Jay, back when I was 25 years old, or 26 years old, I think 25, was very supportive of my trying to make it as a singer on Broadway or an actor or well, yeah, you have a voice like that. that. You have a thing. big Broadway yeah, voice. Yeah, that you kind of sing. thing. I'm not a pop star. And so, so Jay... I went and I made um, a demo, and I made a demo with that with Dave, little Dave, our friend. Yeah, Dave Greenberg, yeah, years. producer, yeah. And this guy, Matthew Sklar, Matty Sklar, played the music, and he's a huge Broadway composer, like a real one now today. And I made this uh, this great sort of Disney-esque demo. And it was played then for a guy named Richard J. Alexander, who was at the time one of the producers for Cameron McIntosh for Les Mis. And... Uh, and he said, and I was probably 15 pounds heavier than I am now. Right. So, because my li- life is always defined in the number on the scale, like the years. And so, so I met Richard J at a party, and then he got my demo, and then on speakerphone, with not knowing I was in the room, said to Jay, she's really talented, but she's too pretty to be a character actress and too fat to be a leading lady. And at the time, I was so insecure and so worried about my appearance that that the voice in me didn't say, so make me ugly and put me in a show. Or what do I care? Make me a character actress. It seems like a strange, but I only heard the too fat. 
And so, and so you folded up the tent. I think I just folded up the tent. I was like, this is too hard to fight. If if because I had been heavier than I was when I had. I, that, that's a horrible story. I, I feel yeah, I want to go. Yeah, is, you know, I want to go he find that guy and kill like him. That it happened like that. Uh, I'm sure it did. Yeah. But I want to back up. Yeah, sure. Because yes, that's a story about um, you being wounded and hurt in your self-image. But I'm I'm interested in the fact that you're somebody who always wanted to perform and loved it. And you kind of glibly are saying, or not glibly, but saying, oh, in college, I would never have hung out with those people because right. I wouldn't want to. I don't understand the voice. That, what is that voice that was in your head? Like, wh- how could you deprive? Right. Well, so because the, because the greater voice, I think what I was always told my whole life was that I had to grow up, that even though I wanted to be a performer and even though I had something in me and something gritty and talent, et cetera, that the more important thing was to meet someone, to grow up, meet someone, get married and have babies. And I really wanted babies. I really wanted to be a mother since I was seven years old. I knew I wanted to be a mother. And and I think that... But you weren't raised in 1945 or no, 1955. No, I wasn't. But, but you have to remember going back, Brian, that my older sister met a guy her first year of law school. We all went to law school. And, and it was just... It seemed within our family to be... That was rewarded. That seemed to be rewarded, the fact that she met someone, fell in love, and then was getting married. I mean, it might be that. just a youngest, see, even it more than be. a gender thing. Yeah. It could be a younger child, right? Maybe. I was first born. Right. I mean, the I The are always the most successful. Well, no, but I just couldn't imagine. And the thing is, I, I, I know that you and I have a lot of the same equipment. Stacy thinks in a different way than we She's think. She's lucky. She, well, she's a lot of different ways, but she thinks differently than we think. Um, but I don't understand. It must have felt like torture to you. That's what I'm saying. Like when I, I moved when I was... out of our house, at I was 23 years old. I was in the second year of law school, and I said to my mom, our mom. Yes, she was our mom. She was. I said, "Mommy, I'm going to move. I want to move into New York City. I want to live. I want to live by myself." And she said, "You're an asshole." That was her response. Right, and so you felt prey to the control, like sort of the idea that they would, but. But in a way, doesn't that divorce responsibility from your, uh, yourself? Totally, which is why I think at 35, I took stock in my life. And I knew that I had these two adorable, amazing kids. And I, I had a five-year-old and I guess an almost seven-year-old. Maybe they were five and seven already. And, uh, and I remember that daddy, our dad, needed an assistant. And I remember sitting around a, a, a table with my sister, your sister, and our dad, and our mom, and... Daddy needed an assistant, and I just, my hand shot up. And this was during this whole time where I'd found someone stealing from him. It was like right, a And you said, I'm going to go into the city, I and said, I'm going to work. I said, Stacey, you're a better mother than I'll ever be. I'm going to go to work, and thankfully, my sister and I live next door to each other. You'll cover the kids, because my husband works. It's great. I'll, I'm going to go. I'll be the one to do it. And out of that, a career unfolded, and I I think I knew I had, I had right. to but I want to uh, Yeah, I want to go back to... When you were 27, 28, 29, yeah. and back on Long Island. Married and pregnant. And not living close to what your dream was. Not even was to be with a microphone in right. front of and you. Right, and I was dying. What did it feel like? Hell. It was awful. I didn't, I still don't. What did you tell yourself? Well, I, um, I think I felt very, very stuck. I think that I tried to do what everybody else was doing. I, I tried to be the mommy and me kind of mother and even then once in a while someone would recognize your talent and say yeah. hey come sing on this saturday night live thing right 
Right. Or come Every do, so often, right? Every once in a while, people, someone would sure. say to you, oh, like, Jen, we need your thing. Right. right. And then wouldn't you feel totally alive in those moments? Yes, but I never felt, I felt like it was too indulgent. I felt like if it didn't have, wasn't paying big bucks or it wasn't, it felt too indulgent. It felt, it, it felt indulgent to you mm-hmm. to... It felt indulgent to you to what to what to to give in to this. Uh, it felt selfish to yes. you. Yes, but I mean it sounds slightly different than what you're saying about in college. College, it was about wanting to fit in. I'm sure it's all fear based, and there's other yeah, things. What is, but yeah, but fear. But, I mean, but I would think I would be. I would think, like you know, as you know, I was 29 when I changed my life and yes. started writing. It's extraordinary, yeah. But I had at least constantly tried, like I would constantly measure where I was versus like what I felt inside. But you had a different, you had a different, there was no other option for you in this life other than to have a drive, to have some sort of professional success. That was, that was the only option for you. Whereas for me, that was secondary because I'm a woman. That was very much clear to me. That was, was secondary was the professional life that I would have. That the first life I was meant to have was to be a but, wife right, and mother. Right, but even professional life, that's like, you're so sure, I had a, an executive career. I had like an executive career. Right. Then at a writer at 29, and you, you were creative, 35. Yeah. And then I was like, I can't do, this I can't do sure. whatever this sort of thing is that I thought I was supposed to do or that was expected. Um, but even the whole time, I was like um, actively grappling with it with myself. I went to law school later at night because I thought, oh, I have to chase down... Uh, you know, I was going to go be a civil rights lawyer. Um, I think my son might do that. Your son. Uh, this isn't just an uncle talking. Jenny's son <laughs> is a genius. Genius. Um, <laughs> just like, like a real, an like actual your son. genius. Like um, your son. That uh, we'll, we'll we'll edit that out. Um, <laughs> but but uh, no. What I what I was going to say is, um, y- you though. What was it? every day you saying? Oh, I was I was kind of dying inside. Were you aware of it? Yes. Were you aware of... But I was fat. Yes, but you have to understand, Brian, that as a fat girl in Nassau County, Long Island, the only place I could be was miserable in my house. But why were you on Long Island? There seemed to be no hope for me. Why were you on Long Island to begin with? Uh, Because it was, again, there was an expectation. It was twofold. It was, one, I was scared in the city with my children. One, I was scared that my son was going to die because he wanted to play in traffic and I was too afraid of public playgrounds. And then my I got pregnant with my daughter and it just felt like I had to move home. I had to move next door to mommy and my sister. I didn't I didn't feel safe in the world. I had I had very little security and yet I am my core was always fiercely independent. So it 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 doesn't really make sense retelling it now, but at the time there was no other option. I wasn't working. I was a mother. I had two little kids. And, and uh, I mean, I wasn't working outside the house. Being a mom, stay-at-home mom, truly the hardest thing in the were whole world. Were you doing lawyering at that point? A little bit. A little you bit. were like, what, a yeah. counsel to a law firm? So, yeah, I was a counsel. And I would go on appearances <laughs> for other lawyers, like, to, if there was uh, something, I don't even remember the language, but if there was something that had to be stayed, like a, like something, a part of a case, that I would go and talk to the judge. And and put a hold on whatever was happening so on just, behalf of somebody yeah. else. It's like did, theater. Did you did you feel like your um, mind was just like atrophying? Yes, yes, I did. It's exactly what I felt like. It was awful. It was atrophying. And it wasn't what would that you I felt like do it all day was. sitting in that house I, with I, your kids I, yeah. at school? Yeah, so I wouldn't eat bonbons. 
But I did, well, okay. So what do you mean you, w- you would I'm eat the bonbons? I wouldn't eat bonbons. You did everything else. But everything else, right. But, well, my son had a health scare when he was uh, just turned three or four. And so for there was a year and a half, I was never more than 10 minutes away from him, literally, because right. I was afraid. So and my daughter is just 20 months younger than him. So I really was was with them when I wasn't in my bed. But it, but but it seems <laughs> so like this sick. kind of a uh, yeah, I was numb, but it's not like doing drugs, but th- numb th- this. This well, this fear, this fear yeah. that's like kind of defined a lot of your life yes it seems like yes. it fits and starts you've chafed against it and tried to take huge steps i don't think i've just tried i think i have i mean i was pretty almost kind of agoraphobic in a way i did i did nothing on my own i mean when i lived alone brian our parents made sure i had a two-bedroom giant apartment i lived like a well-kept divorcee so that i'd be inclined to have people sleep over there was such resistance about my being at all independent that there was sort of every way uh-huh. to call Right, and you me. think that even though so, like the, I was able to just like walk away from all of it, but yeah, somehow because you think it's just because I was a guy. Thing. It's a boy girl. It, 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 yeah, I mean, yeah, yes, I do. I, I de- yes, I wasn't allowed to drive a car alone at night. But my the, friends had nobody to could me not home. let you be allowed to. At the time, it just was seemed no. reasonable when my parents said your friends are gonna you're gonna. But dr- I had the same and then, parents, and I didn't I take any of that seriously at all. It was, I guess, there was a different. Our mom was very, very strong, and our father left much of the rearing up to our mother because she was our mother. I guess in your case, not in mine. Right, because you're the boy, and you have to understand. Daddy has been unbelievably helpful in in directing me to follow what I want to be and I like who that I you am. refer to him and as daddy. He is daddy. What else would you call him? I don't know. My father, dad. I don't know. I've seen you in real life occasionally. In person. My daddy, daddy, daddy. Well, well, in I, person. I, I don't think you've seen me do that recently. Within the past 10 years. You've seen me do that within 10 years? Yeah, you love him. And oh, you go, daddy, oh, daddy. You love him so, much, him yes. so much. So that's just like that's private true. intimate stuff. Brian really does sometimes say to his father, daddy, daddy. Oh, well, yeah, I could. I love mm-hmm. my dad. But that's oh, wow. not what I'm saying differently is though you. No, no. I, here's what I'd suggest. That some part of you still is comfortable or for a long time was very comfortable just being seeing yourself as a child of 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 theirs first not as an adult first absolutely but i think whereas that, at a very young right, age yes. i you, I individualized didn't. and differentiated i did not and i that, think at 35 i started to and that held you ba- i mean that held you back tremendously but that's but i don't I, I i only blame myself today for that i tell the story as it is but I, but i don't harbor um resentment Toward them about it because I don't. It's not their fault. No, it's for just me because it, it would kill me watching how you because I knew how talented you were. I had, you know, when you got your radio show mm. with Alexis, um, I had I had no doubt that you were going to be successful at it because you had all the tools right to do it. I just could never understand, you know, what what took so long. Well, I think also then once I started doing it, Brian, I think that 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 the weight stuff was really a. a the weight stuff was really a big weight. It really it that held well, me back. Well, I a think ton. you're still scared of because I was I'm thinking about this like you lost I'm gonna, you lost a hundred pounds. I didn't lose a hundred pounds. I lost at my at the most that I lost probably ninety, and I think I have seven back on that I'd like to take off, and I will by going to a place where I'm going to juice for six days. 
Right. So I, I'm I, psychotic. I, I think probably from your very height, yeah. you, you'll probably lost a, a hundred, I'm going to say. <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty sure. Well, no, I don't know, but, but I think that some part of you feels, yeah. it makes you what? Feel really, really disgusting. But shouldn't it have the opposite? It should, but, it, but I, I... Shouldn't was... it make you feel empowered and strong? Well, to, yes. It, listen, I'm not nearly as uh, as insecure as I was when I was was heavy, and I don't think that anyone heavy has to be as insecure as I was. So, but for me, that was the only way I knew how to be because our mother was so darn appearance conscious. I mean, I mean, so appearance conscious that that every day of my life was an appraisal of how fat or thin I was. Right. Well, I guess in lots of ways we had a different mom and dad. Yeah, we had the same. Of course, mom and dad. It's often so, the case. And that can often be the case. But I, I think that what's interesting for people, uh, in a way, because it's interesting to me, is the the battle in you, and maybe it's as a, a, a woman, but the battle to be an individual and to own your ambition versus the battle, be, versus like um, not owning that yeah. ambition. I think I own it today. I think I would tell you that I will die if I don't have some great success down the road. Right. Well, you're already a successful person. No, I don't think so, but I will get there. R- what'd you do today? What did I do? My radio show. And then aren't you interviewing somebody? I did interview. No, today I interviewed Jason Biggs and Jenny Mullen. For your radio show? Yeah, for my radio show. And then aren't you also doing CBS Insider interviews? Not today, but I do that some days, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's all, you know, <laughs> I mean, you're successful. It's a lot of, you know, you're you're on television right. or on the radio every day of your life. Yes. Um, But... But I will say, like, so for six months, so Jen, you were 35 when you and Alexis started the show? So, yeah, we started the show. I was 35, and we did the show for together for five and a half years, and then we had three TV shows, one that people really loved. That was the one with Martha. That was called Whatever Martha. Martha. Yeah, Alexis is Alexis Stewart is Martha Stewart's daughter. Yeah. And she and Jenny were working in the same office, and Alexis asked Jenny to co-host the show with yeah. her, a radio show, and they, yeah. right? Yes. And started All doing true. it together. And yeah. then you really... You would write the show and build the show every yes. day. Not the TV show, but you would no, build the radio, the radio show. show. Yes, yes. And describe what it's like at, at Sirius XM, that whole environment there. Oh, well, when we started, we started six months before Howard did. So when we started, it was just really an open playground. It was great. Uh, it was just exciting because there was really no clue who was listening, if anybody was listening. And even without knowing that, I remember my heart would beat out of my chest. Like the minute that the show would start, I had this rundown in front of me that had a scripted opening and it was it was wild and fun. And then strangers would call in and it was the coolest thing because I felt like that, first of all, gave me an identity because I felt like people understood me and liked me just because I was me. And I never really experienced that. It was the coolest thing ever. You mean the listeners? Or the-, the listeners. They like... They understood, like, I wasn't as, as strange and quirky as I thought I was. Everybody's strange and quirky. That is so cool to know. Like, it right. was... So then you learned that you could just reveal yourself. Yeah. It was awesome. And then, uh, and it also gave people, it gave people listening, courage, and hope to know that if I could, like, bumble and fumble and fight my way through life, then they could, too. That, that if they felt like they were paralyzed by fear or something and else. Yet you were in a dysfunctional relationship, then, in your With professional partner. partner. Yeah. Yes, and Hor- now, horribly dysfunctional. And um, I'm not going to assign blame. No need. But you guys are very different types, right? Yes. How would you describe it? Well, I think our characters on the show were sort of, I was the light and she was the dark. And I 
I think that's pretty much what we were, kind of, in real life. And, uh, yeah, and, and, to, and to her credit, Alexis would tell everybody that she isn't a people person at all, ever, that she doesn't really like to engage with others, that there comes a point in time where engaging with anybody is um, too irritating. Anyone who differs in opinion is just wrong. So when that show was <laughs> split up, yeah. right? When, when you yeah. guys, when it got to the point where it was too toxic. Well, she I just think... stopped. Ta- she, I would have never quit. See, that's my fault. My, my, my shortcoming today still is that if I commit to doing something, I will take it to the end. And I think that, thank goodness, she quit the show and then quit me because I would still be in that relationship. So she gave me a gift. Right, but my, and that's that's great. But what do you think it was about who you were by the time that show ended? Yeah, that allowed you to fight to keep going on your own. Where I think in the past you might have just ducked and covered and ran home. Oh my weight, Brian! It was just my the weight. fact that you lost. You think only the fact, but you think Brian, only the fact that you lost the seventy yeah. or eighty pounds at that moment. You just want to make it like three hundred. You want to have a I picture. I said only of it. seventy or eighty. First you said a hundred, then now. Well, it's I know it was a hundred from the most, <laughs> but I, that's a huge. But I think that my whole being changed because I wasn't as scared. I, when 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 your Achilles heel is removed in a way, everything becomes easier. It becomes easier to be vulnerable because my whole life the thing that hurt me the most was being called fat. So if being called fat was taken off the table and someone today could say to me you're fat but my bmi says i'm not so like i have medical doctors who say i'm okay i'm good enough so no i'm not skinny but i'm okay i'm good enough i'm not labeled as fat being called fat was the worst thing in the world it just was being fat was the worst thing in the world so when when i wasn't technically fat anymore and i love to to qualify quantify etc because i don't i'm not skinny i'm no waif i'm just normal I'm just really I mean, you're still ra- I mean, you're still wrestling with it right now. You're, you don't even want to say I'm it. not... Like, it's still yeah. hard for you to just leave it out there. I'm not a fat person. Yeah, no, I can't do that. Then I'll be fat. No, no for that. You mean if, if what? What will make you fat? If I was calm about my weight, I'd be fat tomorrow. There's no calm. And, and no, I just want to say, no you know, rest. people don't even want to use the word fat anymore. But I use you're it. using it about yourself. Yeah, because it's real. And so... And by the way, it's just a word. Give it as much power as you want to give it. It, it, t- it had tons of power for me at a time. But... Now, today, I just, I look at it for what it was. Yeah, but do you, so you think that's what enabled you to then go to the people at Sirius and say, I know I can do this on my own. I know I can do the show. And you had already spent time around them. They knew you could. Yes. Well, I think, I think that enough people had experienced the two of us together that enough people knew what my contributions were to our show and to Sirius XM and my work ethic. And I have a very, very, very strong work ethic, much like you. Right? If I say I'm going to do something, I do it 100% or I'm not going to do it. And, uh, and I was terrified that when, when she did break up with me, we were working for her mother's company still. And so the question was, would I still have a show? Because technically we worked for Martha Stewart Living on the Media, not Sirius XM. Right. So, I, but, but I had a fan base and I had I, almost six years on the air. And so, so you were able to transition to stars, yes, not being so on the Martha they gave Stewart me channel. channel. Right, correct. And then I got hired by SiriusXM, right. And, and out were of you, that was were you nervous doing the show at first by yourself? Um, well, I... Th- I know you had done it uh, by yourself right, at right, various right. So times. No, no, I think, I think enough, what had happened is I had stayed on the Martha channel for about six months on my own. So I, with people who just came to help and assist. 
So I kind of felt like I'd already launched my show without launching my own show yet, in a way. And then, um, and I felt like I had enough of a fans and radio, and I'm sure you're finding this, Brian, from the podcast, because you the the feedback you get are people are getting to know the people you have on your show, and they're getting to know bits and pieces of you, and they feel like there's a real connection. Well, with live radio, there's there's real interaction in real time. People are calling and repeating their calls, and real people, and phenomenal individuals who who choose to listen to me and pay attention to me. And so I, I knew they were going to be there. I knew they were going to be there. And I also knew that I didn't quit any show. So why would they punish me for someone else's quitting our show? It, right. So you're saying you had this confidence. Yeah. And and can you talk about when you guys broke up, what, what television show? Was it the Today Show when it was sort of like the yeah. final? So that, no, the final, she, Alexis had emailed that she was going to quit the show on a specific date. And uh, had you guys no talked one, about it publicly? Nope. And uh, and then she one day in June, she was given just completely false information. Compl- I mean, I, to retell it now, it's almost it's surreal how it all played out, because somebody had told her that I was interviewing new co-hosts, which just hadn't it was it, there was never it was. I can't even defend it because there was nothing to it. And she came on the air and just said, as of this date, I'll no longer be on the show because, which was like two days, two days later, because uh, Jennifer is looking for another co-host. Something crazy. She said that on your on radio On air, show. live. And I just went, well, I, And you guys what? had a book coming out at this yeah, time. Yeah. So we'd written a book and it was with the publisher. And I said, what are you, what? Like, what are you talking about? And then I, the show ended and I called my direct manager boss of the company and I said, what the f- is that? And he didn't have an answer and nobody could do anything about it. And then she just ran with whatever she Take had Take me thought. to the television. What happened on the Today Show? So then six months later, we haven't talked for six oh, months. Oh, so she walks out. You guys have not spoken That's for it. six months. Six months. Six months. Not a word. And this is somebody you were with every day. Every day. For six years. For six years. Went through the birth of her children, her one child, went through the birth of one of her children, went through great intimacy and trust. It was... Sure. And when our mother was sick and dying, she was there terrific. every day for you. And by I the way, Brian, it. when I think I have, I have a soft spot for her and... Oh, I, I saw her do incredible acts of loyalty. She, yes. For sure. So but, that's why it was so sad the way it sort of fell apart. And I think it was, and, and I said this on Howard Stern's show, which was one of the highlights of my life was being interviewed by Howard. But I, I, I believe that when I changed my appearance and became less vulnerable and my personality shifted because I wasn't as weak and afraid, I think that that must have felt like a betrayal in some way to her and right, turned her off to me, I guess. Wait, so go to the Today Show. Okay, then... so, so, so we go to the Today Show because we're promoting this book, which is called Whateverland. It's a really adorable, sweet, fun book. And it was about Alexis's life growing up and my life growing up. And they're very, very different and stories that came out of the radio show and everything else. And um, so we hadn't seen each other. And we both show up at the Today Show. She says, hey. I say hi. And then we're thrust on with Savannah Guthrie, who is not supposed to make the interview about our not being friends anymore, more because I felt like it wasn't so relevant, meaning 
We were just a show on yeah, Sirius XM. Yeah, but you're a broadcaster. There's no way and... that a broadcaster isn't going to ask you guys about oh, that. Oh, she asked. She asked and she asked and she asked. But but what was tougher was that was that the promotion of the book got wrecked because... The uh, story became about the two of you. Yeah. Not about I said that clip is not fun to watch. It's okay for me because if you really watch the whole 15 minutes that we were on, we kept coming back. There was a point where it sort of got into the rhythm of what the two of us had had. And at one point, Alexis looked at me with like, uh, get in here, please. And I did because that was how we did it. Like she, oh, you mean you she, came, you came I knew in she was there. The I knew out. that right. she, yes, I knew she okay, knew that I, wanna, I wouldn't is, let okay, good. her down. See, this ties right into this idea because I yeah. think that, you know, even as I'm listening to you tell the story, and of course you're my sister and I know you well, but I'm learning stuff too. Um, this desire to be a people pleaser. Yeah, I want to be loved, of course. Jeez. Uh, don't you think it'd be good to, like, um, just take that cape off once in a while? No, because I... Because... No. I. By the way, I do. I'm not nice to everybody, everywhere, uh, anymore. No. I'm not. I'm no, not. No. There are people that I'm definitely obnoxious to. Definitely. No, I'm not telling you to be obnoxious to people. And, yeah. um And by the way, you're never obnoxious to, like, servers and people like that. Never. You're the nicest person I've ever seen around sort of anybody who's... um in any way, you know. I want to take care of people. That yeah, definitely is. But uh, no, but I think that I look at your time on the Dr. Drew show. Yes. Which is just something that just ended. Yes, and there was some weird stuff for sure. Well, and I see that I'm kind me, of. I look at you, and it's it's the, the people pleasing thing. Yeah. It's hard to reconcile wanting to be that with wanting to be a like a great artist. Yes. So I think we're different kinds of artists. I, you're a, um, well, I write too, but you're a writer, you're a professional writer. I write what I'm feeling and I, um, write, I think the human experience or my human experience. I think that I, I, I don't tend to, I try not to criticize others and I try to see everything from a perspective of people doing things for the right reason, even though they probably aren't. Yeah, but what what what's that? What do you think the the root? I mean, it's one thing to look at people and and try to interpret events um, in the best in the light most favorable to them. That's, that's a great do, discipline, but and that's a great thing to do in in any area of, of life. And I try to be grateful for the for the good stuff. So, like when, when Doctor Drew's show ended, I looked at the positive of that. This was a show that Drew had requested the first time I was on his show, and I knew his EP. And Drew was the one who said to his executive producer, there's a girl named Jenny Hud who has a show on Sirius XM. Bring her in. I think she'd be great to co-host, or I think she'd be great. And and I was so grateful that I had that year-long experience of doing a live TV show every night. It was it was so cool and in some ways limiting because it, the format I don't think was best suited for someone like me who has much more to say than it probably afforded me. But um, But I felt only grateful. At the time, I could see the big picture when my contract was ended. Sure, but as somebody who's when my contract what had you, ended, what yeah. you have to offer because of what you've chosen to do is only your authentic self. Yes, and that's what people, when people connect with you, they're connecting with your authentic self. That's how I got the job on The Insider because the EP of that show and and Entertainment Tonight was a radio fan. So yes, but I wonder if sometimes you subjugate your authentic self in a desire to be easier to get along with liked um in in what your perception is it may that, that then it'll be easier for you to be sort of moved on to the next level or kept in a position right 
Well, I, I'm not a big fan of burning bridges, so that's that's true. I don't. I'm not. I don't believe in that. And uh, but I also don't. I don't know. I don't get my anger. Yeah, I get angry, but I'm more at myself. I look at things and I look at the and I think that it's my fault if something doesn't work out, even if it isn't. Like I, I would mean, watch I, you on on Dr. Drew's yeah. show, and you would be um, introduced as Dr. Drew's co-host. Yes. And I like Drew, uh, Drew and Adam's show. You know, of I've listened to Drew and Adam together for forever, fifteen years. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, I would watch you on there, not asking questions, right. not acting as a co-host, because I was told that that rather than interject so much that I shouldn't. So I was trying to be what I was asked to be, and I guess what you were saying is ignore it and do what I wanted to do. But I didn't feel secure enough. But if you, but the end game, but what yeah. I, yeah, what I would say is the lesson, it's like you say, the lesson you take from that is a certain thing. If I will never do that again. Yeah, the lesson I would take from that yeah. is because I know anytime in my career that I have um, gone against again. what I knew I had to do. Won't happen again. And I think that's my journey might be, it might be slower to get to what I want, but I don't, I don't think I would ever compromise myself again in that way. Right. Because it tracks from, like, I can just picture you walking by torn ticket at Tufts which is the musical theater oh God, program yeah. at Tufts <laughs> yeah. and wanting to go in there yeah. and not going in. Give me a chance in. to get through all I ever needed. Yeah, chorus line. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we just lost the half of the Grantland listening the audience. They... to dance for you. Mm-hmm. Hey, guys, how about the Green Bay Packers? <laughs> but, uh, I know. There's a lady on your podcast. It's weird. I'm so glad. I've, I'm so glad that I have a woman... Uh, guest, and I think I have a great <laughs> woman guest next week too. Cool. Um, and uh, though I can't say who it is because it's not a hundred percent guaranteed, but it's um, a very famous woman, and um, uh, who also often has red hair. Hmm. Huh. But we will figure that out uh, later. No, but I'm 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 trying to understand if you how you've really taken these lessons for yourself because when i hear you even yeah. talk about framing it all in like well here's how our mother was or here's how our father is i mean don't you have to just like be past that crap but now? i am past that yeah but i think i'm doing i mean my my life today versus what it was 10 years ago is 100 180 degrees different i mean i was really as i said earlier in the podcast kind of agoraphobic i, I almost never left the house i almost never right. went anywhere in anything other than sweatpants and I get up and go now every day, and I say yes every day, and I put myself out there, and I could be attacked or not attacked. I do a ton of videos. I made treadmill videos. I have, I have gone through a midlife crisis rather openly. I mean, I've, yeah, I think I fully put myself out there today, as opposed to back then, I would have never shown my face ever, and and. So it's an ongoing process. Eventually, I'll be on a show where I don't ever have to compromise myself. But it's had to. It's steps. I yeah, I guess it is steps. But I would watch you, and I would feel so frustrated for you. Sure, on that show. there were nights that the show ended, and I would call the EP, and I'd say, "What the f- am I doing here?" So I I didn't just I didn't just do it and never speak up off camera. Right, but I think about all those hours on the air. Yeah. When you allowed it to happen. Yeah. And I would call you sometimes yes, and say, you would. don't Why let this you? happen. You would. Rosie O'Donnell would. T- and I'm name dropping. But Rosie is a friend of mine. I was going to say Kerplunk. Kerplunk. You just I did. But, but just to, it's to, really to emphasize yeah. the point that she would be watching the show 
and during the show would text me. And when the camera wasn't on me, I'd look down and there would be her name on my phone. And I'd open it and she'd go, why the f*** did you not just say blah, 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 blah? Like she'd go ballistic. Well, yeah. Yeah. And so how are you going to present prevent that from ha- happening? Because it happened once and I don't repeat the same mistake. I work really hard not to. So I the next gig... I'm I the chains are off. I'm not. There's nothing. I'm not afraid. Because I would watch anymore. in the beginning when you, there would be a topic coming up, you would call me and you'd be like, "What can I read about this? Or yeah. where does it go?" And by the end, uh, because no, well, I was doing my reading by the end anyway. But nobody would. Yeah, I you were doing your reading by the end, but I don't think you were as enga- you were not engaged. No, the because way you I were knew because it beginning. because it got to the point where first of all, the channel was going through and still is going through a whole metamorphosis, and I, it was unclear what. When you're in a meeting and, and, and told that the channel is going in the direction of the social media generation, which is 25-year-olds and 22-year-olds and 19-year-olds, without children, a mortgage, and a spouse, I was like, well, why am I, like, what, how does the, the mom with two kids, it, the whole thing sort of stopped making sense to me. Why was I there? Right, but your perspective isn't only that, right? Of course it's not, but... Your perspective is as a woman who's a lawyer and yes, been you talking betcha. into a microphone for 10 years. A 100%, but I think that that wasn't what was at that point valued for them, and that's fine. That's, that's again, sometimes in this business, and Brian, you know this because you're in it, people pick and choose who you are based on who knows what. They want you to be there or not, based on a myriad right. of reasons that, that could have nothing to do with who you fundamentally are or have to exactly bring to the table. Yeah, but you have to then learn how to not... What I've learned, anyway, yeah. is how to say no to opportunities. Well, I'm learning. Because um, I'd rather not have them. Yes, and I have learned that. And now <clears throat> no. I do, and and now I do that. Now I do say no. When I can't do something, I have to say no, but I try to say yes most of the time. Well, no, I'm glad. And then that's and that's good, and I, I understand that. And what do you, what do you want... Where do you want to take it now? I would really love to be on a panel show. I would really love to be one of those women who gives her opinion, because I think my opinions are what many people have. And like all the... It sounds so trite and cliche, but I I do feel like it's what people are afraid to admit. I admit everything. Well, no, I think it's great, because I I do think that for years you sort of um, undervalued your own capacities. Yeah, I don't do that anymore. And and talents, except you do still, in the way you now you'll make fun of yourself and and, sure. you, and your weight. Yeah, of course. Um, do you feel like? And by the way, you showed up here with a cro- with cronuts today. Well, because a while ago, Dominic Ansel was on my show as a guest. He's the cronut, the cronut guy. guy. Yeah. So I didn't. He didn't bring cronuts that day. And my little family said, "How could you have the cronut guy on the show and not bring home cronuts?" My people at home. Right. So. And they you're... launched a pre-Cronut sale thing, and I when I ordered them online, I had to pick them up, and then I saw Dominique, and so that was it. So then I figured I'd give you one, because they gave six, and they're not going to get eaten. I can't I do know, that. I know, so don't have them. I am just started the Tim Ferriss. I didn't know you just started. You didn't Today. tell me. You didn't it's tell me. It's a little me. too soon. to. Br- I've had two successful meals. I'm proud of you. Well, uh, I'm skeptical of my own uh, ability to keep so it going, hard. but I won't beat myself up. Unlike you, I'll just move on. It's because you're a man. It's different. I it's, guess you're leaning it, on that heavy. It is so... T- I mean, you can't possibly tell me that physical appearance, weight, 
that oh, it's not sure. different for a man and for a woman. Sure, it's much different for a man and for a woman. Everything is different. My, the world but comes deal... at me in a whole different way, Brian. Not bad. Oh, that's totally. I mean, the, the world comes at you differently. So beyond. how is it different when you're, th- you know, now than when you were? I was invisible. Two hundred pounds heavier. I was invisible. I was invisible fat. I'm not invisible anymore. Even though I was fat, I blended. Fat with red hair. I feel like I blended in so much so that you I was felt invisible. you were ignored. Invisible. Yes. Yes. I'm yeah. not anymore. Right. Invisible's the worst. Yeah. Invisible's the worst. And 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 so then when I was first visible, catcalling was like a, an appealing thing. Now it's just gross again. It's Thank funny. God. Obviously, you know. Obviously, Ellison's book uh, talks about it in the most eloquent way. But uh, in in my movie Solitary Man, this guy I knew had told the story, a really a guy who was incredibly handsome in, in life when he was in his 40s said that when he turned 60, he became invisible. And I put it in Michael Douglas's mouth in the yeah. movie because I, I remember him saying, you understand, I would, buddy, I would walk down the street and they would all stop, every one of them. And then suddenly it was like I didn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really what you felt like? Yes. And, and Except for the select few. Right, and now? Yeah. I don't feel that way anymore. I'm not invisible. Do you still miss the uh, the singing and acting part of I it? I miss the singing, not the acting. I'm not a very good actress. I'm really funny and quirky, but I'm not. I don't think I'm a very good actress. And so, what are you doing about the singing? I think I'm a part? good singer, though. But what are you I don't doing know. About I still. I would part? love to voice a Disney character. Gosh, geez, yeah. Can you imagine yeah, that? Yeah, that'd be great. <gasps> well, how are you chasing that? I'm not. I haven't. I don't know how to. I don't know. I. I don't. I don't know how. Well, what does that mean? You don't know how. How would I chase that? I could make vines, six-second Disney princess vines. I, you could, yeah, sure. Okay. I don't know. There's some way you could. Chase I did a good it. one. I did one, the Fat Mermaid. It was I mean, so because good. you figured this stuff out. Yeah. So far, mm-hmm. to have your own show, mm-hmm. to go be on The Insider, to be on Doctor Drew, even though that didn't work out. Yeah. Do you feel? Did you take from that experience? Uh, are you feeling scarred by it at all, that that it's going to be harder to get back on television? No, I actually feel empowered by the whole thing. I feel like I've made great contacts and friends, and I do feel like I'm respected. Anyone who knows me respects what I do and how I how I contribute. It was funny because I thought um, it was really interesting. You know, when, when, when they chose you to be the co-host of that show, there was a woman who it could have been yeah. who's terrific, Samantha. Yeah, Samantha Shocker. She's doing it now. But she's, she's 10 years younger than sure. you. Sure, and it makes perfect she, and sense. And she's a very thin blonde. Beautiful blonde, yes. A smart person. Smart a, a and adorable and gorgeous be. and kind. But she's it was interesting. Girl. They made a certain choice yes. to have you there yes, and, and then, didn't use you for that. Yes, well, because, look... During right after, right after I got the gig, the channel changed hands and a new vision was put in place. And I do believe she's much more in line with that vision than I am. And that's okay. You know, yeah, well, I think you're taking an empowering, and we both like her, and I think you're taking an empowering uh, thing from it for sure. Um, Why does anything have to be any other way? And I haven't watched the show since. Is she talking? Does she talk more than you did on the show? I don't watch the show, but but I feel like. There's abundance. There, there's a, there's enough for everybody. I will find my way. I will find the right job. Someone will see what I'm meant to be doing for them on television or somewhere. That wasn't it. That's okay. Do you still love doing the radio show? I love doing my radio show. I love radio. It's great. It's intimate. It's, uh, it's like hanging out with my friends, my listeners. They're my friends. Have you thought about doing this? Mm-hmm. Add into because your show's just what do you do an hour a day? Yeah, but this I would like to do a video podcast. I like the visual. So, I, I mean, I think one thing about your story 
um, as different from mine is that you weren't a fat girl that but when uh in a weird way you know and i think it's interesting for people because a lot of people walk around with a secret dream mm-hmm. and you had a secret dream but it wasn't a secret my friends in college knew that i had the desire to perform to do some sort of entertaining so it wasn't really i'm talking about later later it was a secret yeah and uh and do you think somehow when uh, mom died? Yeah. Because when did you lose the weight? Yeah, after mommy died, yes. And after she died. And <laughs> yeah. you've, I know you've written about this, but I think it's a really interesting thing. Why did that give you the freedom? To, you, you think that you needed her I to die to so leave much, home yes. in order to leave? Yes. I think there was the idea of rebelling never sat well with me, overt rebelliousness or or I never did drugs I never drank I was not promiscuous I was such a good girl Brian and I and I the only way that I could rage against whatever machine I thought there was was with my weight that was it the rest of me seemed to be certainly in mommy's eyes just great like I was smart and and you have such a pretty face which for every fat girl is like the worst thing in the That's whole a damning, world to hear. It's damning awful. She's such a pretty face. But why do you think that her dying gave you permission? Because that subconscious anger didn't get in my way anymore. That that thing that made me not able to do what I had to do for myself because I ha- was so angry with how I felt she treated me because of my body. I mean, it's so sad because she more than anybody would be so happy to see me now and when i was doing the radio show that's here's where the subconscious works in awful wicked ways during the time that i did the radio show our mother saw me in a way she had never seen me before and listened every day in her bed for five years to that show not for five years for the three years that she was alive for it every day she listened from 5 to 7 p.m and would call me after or called during and 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 got to know me in a way that I think I'd always wanted her to know me. She got to know she got to know me more than just her daughter. It was incredible. It was it was a uh, it was life affirming. Right, but at that time Yeah. I still I mean you bend. were still eating macaroni and cheese by the pound for Not macaroni and cheese, I don't think, but pizza. Right. And then she died. Damn you with that pizza tweet because you, that's how I feel. You had that tweet. My brother Brian, who you're listening to on the podcast, had that that this tweet that he said, "I understand heroin addicts because pizza." And I have I say that all the time, not in your exact succinct perfect way, but that kind of thing, that that feeling that you get about the food. And uh, so yeah, I would eat pizza. Oh yeah, pizza in particular. Yeah, yum. It kills me. But somehow you had freedom when mo- once mom died. Yes. You were given. In your yeah. mind, some kind of freedom. I think, yeah. Yeah, I think there's a... And, and don't you wish you'd figured it out sooner? Of course, but... Yes, but I can't I can't spend any more days having regrets. I don't think that serves anybody. It doesn't serve me, my kids, my husband. No, but it's more like trying to look at whatever is in your life now. Yeah. All of us. Yeah. Because, what, I mean, what I take from it is, like, it's why I journal every day, and it's why I meditate, because I'm trying to always spot the the um blind spots i'm trying to always find my own blind spots right so that i can see what's in my way so i was thinking about this thing michael mcdermott said the other day on the on on this show was that he was like well you brian find something and and go after it of course for me none of it ever seems easy it all seems impossible and like i haven't gone near you know each time it looks easy each time it seems impossible 
But um, oh, I it looks constantly so easy the way you do it. Right, but it's none of it's easy, of course, of course. because it's. Uh, but I self monitor, and I'm like always trying to evaluate how can I put myself in a gear that I can. So that's get where I am right now. So, but that's where I am right now. That's where I'm. There's a. Oh yeah. Oh no. The things that I'm that I'm thinking about doing now and involving myself in to to I guess get me to the next place are that kind of. Again, it's all about the the vulnerability thing and just being so open. Yeah, getting yourself to a place where yeah. you can be completely yeah. authentic. Yes. Yeah, because that's always been, that's always to me been the only thing that could hold you back was this desire to be, this need to be like, now we all want to be. But you see, it's liked. now become, um, it's, I embrace it. See, what does there's, that mean? okay, like, there's um, Opie and Anthony's radio show. Yes. So I go on their show from time to time, and they make fun of me and it's been a real lesson for me because I can take a joke and I can laugh at myself and I could see where the truth is and what they're saying and of course where the baloney is obviously because it's it's fun but calling me needy I, yeah I am I'm needy it's something I deal with I, I I have some hole that I'm trying to fill and I get that there's jokes you can throw in there but but I I, I know my shortcomings and I'm trying to work through them and so it just like with the word fat, the power sort of gets taken away when you embrace whatever it is that's wrong with you. Yes, but I've but I always know that I, I've always said to myself about you, and I've said it uh, at home a million times, is that some um, that if you could just not care, like we all care, if you could notice that you cared, and then act however you wanted to act. As if you didn't care. Right. I haven't gotten exactly there Because that, that's what, like, right, yeah. I want, I, like you, I'm happy to be liked, but I am completely willing to not be liked. I But am, I'm aware that people don't like me. And no, that's I not, but I'm yeah. saying in the individual moment, yes. like, I will know the course of least resistance. Yes. And then I will go, no, like, if I'll make the evaluation, I'll go, no, like, because um, I have to, I've decided I'm going to fight for my ability to do X or Y, right. um, and uh, and if you, and and part of that is like the fight here, even to be as authentic as I can be. I was like, if I'm going to do a podcast, I'm not going to hold anything back. Um, and I feel like you're so close to being in that place. And I would watch you on Dr. Drew, and I would want to, you know, I'd call you up, and I'd be like, yeah. I don't get it. I know you had six things you could have said or right. asked that person. Right. And I guess what I know is if you would have done that, it would have become the Jenny show. But you I, would have gotten your own show but, out but of it. But the problem was, I, I really, I, it, I, knowing where I was and who I was with and the dynamic that was at play, I knew that that was not what would have happened. But the, Because but, there would have been... But the, it ended anyway. It did end anyway. And had I known longer, because by the end I was speaking more, the last few weeks... I kind of knew that my contract was ending and that was going to be that. But I just want you to go forward and recognize the fear. Yes, oh, words, yeah, no, no, and I do. Yes, that, that, absolutely. Um, yes. Th that we're all going to die. Yes. Oh, and I think I do. I think yes. I'm much more of a risk taker than I than I ever was. But so you might as well yeah. like uh, you know, your contract's going to end in, in three months. So you're saying go on YouTube and make a video singing any Disney song I want. I'm saying if you know that that's what you want to be, you're on a microphone every day of your right. life. You're on the internet with a lot of followers. Yes. You engage with people. Yes. I'm, if you want to right. voice, do a Disney character, mm -hmm. what are you scared of? Go figure out a how to, to at least okay. the worst that happens yeah. is um, people make fun of you about it. Right. By the way, this, I think Grantland is owned by 
Disney, right? See what ESPN? I did? See what I did just there? I do. Listen, Jen. Yeah. This hour flew by. It was really fun. You did You're a great a job, You're a real Brian. broadcaster. Yeah. You speak clearly. I saw Eric, who's recording this, checking the monitors a lot because you almost blew the thing out a couple Sorry. times, I thought. But because you have a very amazingly commanding presence uh, on the mic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Jen, here's the thing. I'm so inspired by what you've accomplished. And uh, the I really believe the only thing holding you back from world domination is fear. Yeah. And the uh, d- desire not to ruffle feathers. And I think, Brian, that that your next level of your career is definitely going to be some sort of psychology school. You're like a therapist. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Well, thanks, Jen. Love you. I love you more. I don't really ever say daddy, daddy, daddy. You by do. The way. By no, way. that's okay, not true. You don't even Maybe know Maybe when yourself. I was 12 nope. years old. Nope. In the past 10 years, I would say even five. Daddy, daddy, daddy. You you touch the top of his oh, head. Oh, I definitely. Oh, you hug him and you kiss him. You oh, say daddy, daddy, daddy. I definitely daddy, hug daddy. my dad and like yeah. he has a bald spot. And you, I mean, no, sorry. Bald he's bald. Spot? He's bald. He's bald. <laughs> what? Well, it was a bald spot. Well, he is bald. And I would originally touch the bald spot. Yeah. Now, yes, I'll put my whole hand on his on head. On his head and you'll say daddy, daddy, That's daddy. That's the part I dispute. I need evidence. Taped mm-hmm. evidence. Of Next that. time we are. Home, I need I'm evidence that mm-hmm. that happens. Yeah, it happens. All right, thanks everybody. Hey, Jenny is Jenny Hutt. That's right on the Twitter. On Twitter, I'm Brian Koppelman, and um, thank you. Thanks for, for having me. Everybody. I'm honored to have been your first lady on the podcast. Thanks everyone. Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes, or. Go to grantland.com and click on podcast.